Greetings, people of Earth. I am Lord of the Board, Brad Davies. I am not Rob Whelan tonight. Uh, he has off for a some rest and recuperation. So uh, I'm going to take over host duties because, you know, I came out from behind the board and uh, we are the Theater of the Mind players. Uh, let's go. Key word. He is not Rob tonight, which I'm means every tonight. other night he <laughs> actually could, puts on a Rob suit. <laughs> I could be Rob. I could be Rob. Uh, so let's just go around, uh, introduce ourselves. Um, and then we'll jump right into this uh, Theater of the Mind AMA. Uh, uh, AMA off the cuff, I think is what we, what we should call it. I think that's a good one. So uh, let's nice. start with uh, our first mind player. Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Fishburne. Uh, I am a mind player. We don't have any characters to introduce today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> nothing else to say about yourself, Jordan? I player? am here. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, I am Tawny P. Thompson. Tonight I will be playing Tawny P. Thompson. She, hers. Um, and I am an actor, fight choreographer, and uh, aspiring writer, voiceover artist, etc. here in Milwaukee. Hi, I'm Tony Cheek. He, him. I will also be playing Tawny P. Thompson. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Twist. Dual roles. Dual roles. It's like face off. <laughs> Hi, I am Ethan Eichstead Anderson, and I will be playing Jordan Fishburne. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. This is this is super meta. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. T, uh, TMP AMA off the cuff. Uh, so um, I guess we'll start with the first question right off the bat. Here uh, it is. Question. Oh, first uh, I'm going to say oh, something. Sorry. Yes, go ahead. In case this goes out to non Patreon, we do this to Patreon fairly regularly. So if you are a non Patreon and you want to get questions asked in this section, please join Patreon. I guess yeah. to have access to the form to apply your questions. Woohoo. And also we have a fun discord that uh, people kind of chat throughout the day, uh, post um, cool things about games that we learned, have random discussions about uh, game theory. Um, weird memes. Weird memes, uh, pictures of our outdoor activities such as hiking um, or just snow in general, because we are from Wisconsin and that's what we get around here for eight months out of the year. Uh, Anyway, so yeah. Uh, that is also where you can send all your hate mail. So if you'd like to send hate mail, you have to first spend money and join our Discord. <laughs> and then you can tell us how much yeah. you don't like us. <laughs> oh, God. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's great. Maybe that's great advice, set, Tony. I appreciate we could that. set a new, a new channel in our Discord that's just hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so... Let's jump off to our first question here, uh, which is, if you had to pick one, which character you've played on TMP is your favorite and why? For myself, uh, which is your favorite NPC? Um, so I'll start. Two right off the bat, Domon, of course, uh, from the Aegon run, and Vagal. Uh, I, I am a huge fan of himbos, apparently. Uh, it just... there, it, it takes... Um, it takes a certain comedic intelligence to be able to play to play a character that's not that bright um, mm -hmm. because it's not as easy as just being like me do silly things me do weird things like <laughs> like there, there's something there to it um, that's so true 
yeah so i i guess that's the thing is uh like um one of my other favorite characters with like one or two lines is well he's got more than that but mongo from blazing saddles and the best line ever is mongo only pawn in game of life as he like stares off into this middle distance knowing the philosophy of everything yet being the most simplest of characters and i think that's just brilliant i love it um and of course i have ridiculous Looney Tunes humor and usually those characters get the Looney Tunes humor. Um, <laughs> and then I think uh, Nash is also another one too. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because that was Jordan's Barbarian Awakening, which that led into... So <laughs> yes, which led into Peanuts, which was also part of the the, the himbo collective that I enjoy oh so much. So. Peanuts beer here. <laughs> Peanuts uh, beer here. Um, so yeah, th- those are my my favorite characters. So I guess uh, whoever wants to start, and then we'll just go around. Um, I'll go, if only because it's like super fresh. Like Double Doctor Ellis Mandel has really, really been growing on me in this most recent season of Delta Green. I don't want to give too much away, but like the switches on switches and the plot stuff has just really been going strong and. I think possibly because we've been rolling through this series for so long and I've been with double Dr. Ellis Mandel for so long. She's really taken root in my heart and it's been kind of fun to play. So, yeah. I feel as if I should say that the grunting you hear is a small beagle at Tawny's lap. It's coming pretty (laughs) clearly through the microphone. Oh boy. I'm sorry. Hey, Stanley, breathe quieter. AMA off the cuff. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I will mute while other people answer. Uh, uh, I, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Ethan, go ahead. I guess I'm going to go with Keith. Keith. <laughs> I, Keith. I had a lot of fun playing Keith. Keith was freaking great. Keith, Keith was also uh, kind of against your character type a little bit because yeah. um, you tend to play either the the quieter characters that have these like really heavy moments or philosophical moments or you play um occasionally a, a weird himbo like like hello i'm like Dolan obviously in the Aegon yeah. series but um yeah that one that one required you to just be like completely in people's faces while being chipper and it it was something unexpected completely and the 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 voice was fantastic as well yeah i think and just to put out there for people who may not know that's from our fallout playthrough oh yeah and domon's from Aegon. els mandel's from delta green i said that okay and then (laughs) what other ones did we mention mention uh bagal and nash are from morkborg which was a one shot that we did peanuts beer here is also from fallout yeah, I, I found Keith re- refreshing probably because it's different than what I normally play. It's mm-hmm. just like a nice, you know, nice change. His I'm cheerful sociopathism fan. was amazing. Yeah. Like the, the yeah. oh, can I throw a grenade here? It was like. And it's very fitting for so Fallout. Many, yeah. You had so many weird, good one liners that were just like, where did you okay? I wanted where did you pull, pull that from? It was yeah. ridiculous. I, I keep <laughs> I keep hearing people talk about how a single evil character in a party of good characters doesn't work. And I wanted to see if I could make it kind of work. <laughs> it was 
more chaotic neutral than evil. It felt yeah. to me, but it I, I could I enjoy the experiment. <laughs> it was it was very HK forty seven from like next yeah. to the old yeah. Republic. One hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Uh, who think, else do we have? Uh, I think I probably would. It's so hard to choose. It's like looking at all of your children and kicking all the ugly ones away and then picking from your favorites out of those leftover. Um, <laughs> but I, I think Rue Johnson from our tales from the loop, things from the flood playthrough is one of my favorites. It's what I'm feeling right now. I can never answer this as a one answer for all time question. There was just a lot of heart in her character and she like had a real innocence that I don't normally play in characters. <laughs> I really don't. Um, at least, you know, from my perspective, most of my characters are like manipulative, but she was just kind of like earnest, a very earnest character. And plus I got to like look up a whole bunch of cool rat facts and drop them whenever I could in episodes. I love a little gimmick. So <laughs> that was always fun too. Uh, I also super appreciated watching how you aged her up into like weird goth punk chick in um, things from the flood. Yeah. Um, and just like, especially when you and Sarah interacted with the two characters and how they kind of like one upped each other into being kind of, you know, those like, more, bad girls who like yeah <laughs> like more that's oh god okay so maybe that is something that's my play type <laughs> like give me a character that kicks off with another character in trying to one-up each other in some way <laughs> but that that is true and I think I I preferred her a little bit more in Tales from the Loop because I feel like I had there's always like a little bit of a disconnect when we switch between seasons because we haven't been living in the shoes of our characters as much, but tales from the loop. I really liked, there was just like so much, I don't know, innocence to that character that I really enjoyed and a quietness, like unassumingness. But I feel like you also put a lot more like backstory into Rue than I I think you do for most of your characters. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, that was, it was fun. That's true. I normally, um, for those of you who haven't seen all of the stuff that we do and watch all of our session zeros, et cetera, et cetera. Um, listen to all of our session zeros, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Also available on Patreon only. That is accurate. (laughs) Um, I, try to build backstory in the game, but that doesn't always work out depending on how the story flows. So uh, I should probably just start like building a backstory and then changing it. <laughs> but I feel like it well, be you different. only had like 11 years to plan out rather than yeah. normally like 40. A full life. Yeah. Cause you know, I usually play those 60 year old, 70 year old people. <laughs> But that is true. It is nicer and refreshing. Like I will be a hundred percent like playing a younger kid was really refreshing because we've played around in the teenage space quite a bit, but being like a younger teenage kid with a lot less going on for you and being sort of oddball um, 
was just so different and uh, way easier kind of in a way. (laughs) You don't have to put as much uh, thought you do, but you don't have to put as much like real thought into what you're doing because kids do stupid shit all the time. So it's way more um, easy for you as an actor to go in and be like, you know, what would be really stupid right now that I would have done when I was 11 this. <laughs> also, can I use my soccer ball for that? No. Yeah, that was <laughs> really good. Us giving Rob a hard time about weird ways to use our <laughs> little items was so good. All, all to get that extra die to roll to, to possibly succeed. That was- yeah, and then still fail. Yes. <laughs> the soccer ball bounced off the ground and then hit you in the face. Oh, no. <laughs> Tony. Uh, I think that I have like three different favorites, but they cover different aspects of role playing. Um, I think my favorite story wise and just playing was. Alex Weber, also from Tales and Things, because I liked that there's that phrase, you peak in high school. So I liked that he had that like midlife crisis being like, did I peak in middle school? And then <laughs> desperately clinging to his coolness by starting a band called Vanilla Harpoon. That was so good. Um, <laughs> and I then kick, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I loved playing um, Major Tom from the first season of Delta Green, because I actually really wanted to do that properly. And I actually really enjoyed doing the research on like NASA and astronauts and astronomy. So that was fun for that. And figuring out how to make that work in like a sort of combat situation um, and being useless. And then <laughs> I think my third favorite was, was Kirk the Soda Jerk, just because it was fun. That I really liked your voice for Kirk the Soda Jerk yep. in particular. Sometimes you guys do really cool character voices, and I'm so jealous. You have no idea. I get so jealous and so excited to hear you guys start talking. I want to shut up when we're playing to make you guys talk more. <laughs> you know that sometimes I build my characters just based on what accent I feel like doing for that game, right? Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> And that's Tony's amazing. bag of accents is a real thing. <laughs> but I, I don't want Jordan to not talk because every show we do, I'm hoping that Tony and Jordan will start fighting fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Um, I guess uh, does uh, does someone want to grab the next one, or should I just go ahead and keep reading? Or yeah, I'll do one. Um, kind of a little bit related to very vaguely to the last question that we did. How much and what kind of preparation and research do we do for our characters, the setting and game system? Do we have a clear concept? Uh, Do we develop them organically through play? And does that change depending on the game? Uh, Um, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'll I'll start a little bit here. I can give a little bit of insight into what uh, Rob does. Obviously, I'm not going to speak for him, but um, being the one behind the board and uh, we bounce ideas off each other quite a bit, um, I kind of see into Rob's processes a little bit. And uh, what what he tends to do is I think he does a lot of, he reads the rules, he gets inspired, and then he goes and finds 
uh, movies or books that are part of that genre and just like consumes as much as he can of that genre. Um, and out of that grows his ideas because in, in certain, in certain types of genres, you, you kind of have to have these touchstone moments. You know, if you're doing, uh, something where it's kids like tales from the loop, like we were talking about, you obviously got to have that. Oh, the friends have a falling out. You got to have the riding the bicycle scene. You know, there's the, the, the tender moment around the campfire where everybody's like, this is how you make s'mores. And like, you know, they talk their feelings out. Um, so Rob, Rob does a lot of bouncing those ideas off of me where he says, all right, so here's a thought. This is what I want to do. And then I, I grab that and say, oh, that's awesome. What about if blah, blah, blah. And I throw a couple other ideas back at him. And that's kind of how he prepares. Um, for me, as for myself, um, when I play games in general, uh, I really don't do a lot of research. I kind of mm-hmm. base it off of stuff I already have kind of in my head. Uh, I also base it off of what I've played before or, or my knowledge of the system, um, or, or having read the system. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just run with it. I don't, I don't really create a lot of backstory. Um, I also grab a lot from the archetype that you build. If you tell me you have a dwarf with a jetpack that is part of a, uh, a, a architect or a, uh, engineer society that uses souls of the dam to make their jet plaques fly. I'm like, awesome. I'm going to run with that. And away I go. There's a soulborn character from uh, world of Warhammer, you know, like yeah. that sounds <laughs> awesome. I'm going to run with that, of course, you know, and just go from there. So I don't, me personally, I tend not to go too deep into backstory, which I know is completely counterintuitive to what you're going to hear from everybody else. <laughs> do you want, we'll do a gradual uh, build up to Tawny, maybe? No, I'm kidding. Sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then I guess I'll jump next if that's yeah. the plan. <laughs> so yeah, for me, it really depends on the system. Uh, I kind of make the character first and then figure out like bullet points on how it got, you know, these skills or like to the situation. And then just kind of leave those loose bullet points until we're actually playing and then kind of fill it in as I go. That way I can make kind of decisions on the fly and then react off of it after that. So it kind of just builds on each other as, which is kind of why I, I guess I tend to be more into it later on in, in each game. Like the further the story goes, the more I feel, you know, connected to the character, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense. I think that like especially lends itself to um, there because there's always both sides, right? If you build organically, then you're building yourself into mm-hmm. what is getting presented by the game master as opposed to either side. But I feel like this is like just only from very like brief game mastering experience, the more backstory people give you, the more they help you build out your own world (laughs) as opposed to uh, having something whole cloth and people integrating themselves in all of the things that you aren't saying. So it's a a nice little mixture. I think you always, that was one of my favorite things about running blades in the dark when we did is like, 
sorry, kind of weird sidebar, but like everyone kind of created their characters. I gave them like a, like a high level overview of like, this is the type of crew you are, build your characters. Let's talk about some backstory. And then I tried to work that into the very few sessions that we played and it was a lot of fun. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Don't you need to be sorry. That's good. In addition, it's a good addition. Uh, I'll go because I, I feel like me and Tony may, and Tony's a little bit more than me, um, when building out stuff, uh, I actually weirdly tend to be more specific and more, um, researchy about characters that have technical jobs that use information that it will sound better if it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. So if I play somebody that is supposed to be very knowledgeable about medicine, I do a lot of research about medicine and the kind of stuff that we're going to run into in the game. Um, Right now I am playing a hacker character. So I researched a crap ton of hacker stuff that uh, probably won't ever see the light of the game. But if the situation comes up, I'm going to have that word ready or this situation ready and going off of this. And everybody's going to look at me like, wow, why did you know that? (laughs) And I'm going to go, it's for the game. It's for everybody to feel like it's real and it's happening. And I don't go, wait, everybody, let me Google what blockchain is real quick. (laughs) so that I can. Also the NSA would like a word with you. Yeah. How many times did you rewatch Leverage while you were building out tentacle boobs? I have no idea to what you're referring. I, of course, did not base my character upon a very well-written and well-respected hacker in a heist drama that was on a television network for quite a long time. (laughs) Hardison. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. For anyone who doesn't know, (laughs) Asian typos like online handle is tentacle oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes for our current delta green run i play agent typo whose online handle is tentacle boobs spelled in leet speak so it's less it's just it's the same amount of uh, ugh, so it's, but it's more hackery yeah so it's more hackery yeah. <laughs> To get it past the censors whenever I have to type in a group chat and they try to censor words, but um, <laughs> it's, it's completely dependent on how technical it is, or if there is a specific, um, the only other time that I tend to do a lot more backstory is if I'm trying to approach something with sensitivity Then I'll do a little bit more background in um, how best to portray that because we're doing improv here in our game. So knowing more before you get into situations where you'll have to react to things and interact with things. And if you're playing a character, even if it's something that you identify with, sometimes you have to think about it from a larger lens outside of yourself, because just because you as an individual are okay with stuff, you never know what kind of stuff blows back on a community or people that have had bad experiences with something. So that's the other half of the coin where I'll put in like a little bit more effort and research, but honestly, I really like building into the world and having like a a pretty solid outline, but not anything too far back when it comes to backstory. 
Um, for me, it's, it's, I, I really like making backstory. That's like half the fun for me. Uh, so I tend to go a little deep sometimes. Um, depends on the game though, how deep, for example, um, my favorite character I've ever played is a character from our Cthulhu game, which we were, we'd never recorded because we did it before the show, but he was a world war one veteran. He lived in Harlem. He was into like Egypt and the discovering of King Tutankhamun's tomb. So like there's all these different areas that I was adding to him and researching. And so he felt like the most fleshed out, which I really connected with. The only other character I think I've done that with so far in terms of research is um, my first Delta Green character, Tom, because he was an astronaut. Um, but yeah, typically I like to make the character and then, um, but I'm, I'm really open though. Like, should we reach a point in the story where we're like, what if instead, because of what just happened, what if your character is this? And I'm like, oh, that's a way better idea. Let's change that about him. So I'm not like married to it. I'm open to whatever makes a better story, really. Mm -hmm. That is something Tony's really good at. He's really good at flexibility, honestly. <laughs> he like really plays into <laughs> all the, the shit that we have going on in the story very well. Uh, I think my favorite part ever that I've seen Tony just completely like, sure, we'll go with it, was the Baron von Munchausen uh, show. And Tony's playing this character, and someone says, I believe you're illiterate. He goes, Yes, I am illiterate. Put <laughs> the coin and rolled with it. Like, Tony had a backstory yeah. in his head, and it went, Shh, 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 shh. Yep. As soon as someone said that, and it was fantastic. Both both live shows, both Ghostbusters and Fair Munchausen, it was just me being like, Okay, everything that I had in my mind is out the window. So. <laughs> I think that's what made Munchausen so much fun is just being able to throw that all away and just be like, yeah, you're right. It was made of cheese. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I guess finally on the, the complete opposite end of the spectrum from my pantser mentality of everything, I guess, is Tawny. Hi. Um, yeah, I do tend to come to most of our zero sessions with like, two or three very fully formed characters um, with like some wiggle room, of course, in terms of like archetype and things like that. But I have always been like super character driven. If I'm watching a TV show or reading a book and there is not a character that I feel like I can get in their head and understand why they do what they do. And like, I don't like that media. It's just like never my jam. Um, so my characters tend to kind of come to me that way, almost fully formed. Um, and I just, I've always had like a super vivid imagination. So I always have just like a really clear idea of what their home lives look like and like what their motivations are, like, what is it that makes them do what they do? Um, yeah. And so. I, I will say, uh, I think what makes it work in your case is that you are doing the internal work for the characters and figuring out what their backstory is for motivations and internally what's going on. And then you come to the table and if someone says, oh, I think I'm your best friend from high school, you take that suggestion and you meld that with how that works with your backstory. Like, oh, does, does this character have a friend from high school? And you can, you can modify with that. So I, I think you work very well with that I have everything fleshed out background. Cause I think, I think 
people kind of have it in their head from past experiences. I know I do where I've, I've come into a game session and someone plunked down five to six single space typed mono, whatever, uh, letter thing. So here's my backstory and <laughs> I am a loner and you need to suss this story out from me to, for us to actually have fun in this game. And it's like, no, that yeah. wasn't a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, no, where, where that always does drive me insane. And yeah, I, I do love, I do like being able to, especially during the zero sessions, it's a really good time. Um, one of the things I think we do very well in our zero sessions is we always make them take a minute to say, okay, so how do y'all know each other? Why do you know each other? Does anybody have backstory? Um, and so many times we've done like, okay, you're playing siblings or um, cyberpunk when Sarah and I just like, I think it was during the zero session. We were just like, are we twins? We're twins. Yeah. Cool. Let's go. <laughs> and <laughs> Um, and it was really easy to take those things and say, okay, so how does that fit into whatever? Or sometimes it does mean like, okay, I throw away this weird page from it and I suck in this thing and and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that is something I've also learned with my novel writing um, is like, <laughs> don't get too precious about stuff because it is, it, it can tell a much better story if you go back a second time and go, okay, so I thought that was cool, but this is way cooler. Mm -hmm. So save your darlings and put them on a shelf to use elsewhere eventually yeah. <laughs> or kill them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess no murder in this house. Uh, Can't guess, realize your darlings because only pieces are beautiful. <laughs> uh, I guess the one, one last thing I was going to say on this was um, backstory is also very easy to create. Uh, I was playing in a game off stream once with some people and it was a Indiana Jones kind of style action pulpy game and we literally started the scene and i just threw off the line and that's why we can never go back to monaco yes. and it stuck and that was <laughs> that was canon backstory that we built that entire skeleton off and to this day we still will say and that's why we can't go back to monaco so uh -huh. you know it's 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 kind of both things all the all the preparation you've had but then there's also these flashes of brilliance in a game mm -hmm. that just boop, everybody goes, yep, exactly. So. <laughs> that yeah, Brad, is so true, Brad. Yeah. That is so true. <laughs> Brad, Sarah, and Rob all have really good RPG stories of their own, which I will not tell because they're not my stories, but they're pretty great. Yes. So. We'll have Rob record the I Can't Feel My Legs story sometime. It's, yeah. it's, it's oh. one of the best oh, gaming geez. stories ever. And not because I was part of it. It really is that good. <laughs> we have it verified by, by a third-hand opinion. <laughs> uh i guess uh so who wants to go next with their next question uh i will um this one is from varg uh when you are playing how do you trade off your or the team's success versus what makes the better story overall or for your character if possible give examples that was the one i wanted to ask tony dang it <laughs> So how do you trade off your success? <laughs> and and that kind of builds right into it, right? Yeah. Uh, well, typically I I will, and I think really this is I think this is Ethan's move. I, I call it pulling an Ethan. But if it's if it's a really bad decision, but you know it's gonna make a more interesting outcome, I will 100 percent choose that over what the smart thing is. Well, I go with it mainly because I want to know what's gonna happen. It I don't really <laughs> At certain points, I don't care about my character. I don't care about really the story. I'm just like, I really want to know what would happen if I push this button. 
<laughs> There's also like a very great, like valid thing that is very helpful to our group in our in particular because we're over planners. Anybody who's watched our show will listen to us plan for a very long time, get into the situation, throw it out the window and just do whatever. And having those moments where we can just step back and go, fuck it. Let's see what we can do. (laughs) What, what can we do here instead? Um, even if like a part of you inside is dying because you Mm -hmm. know, it's wrong. I think like for an example, I guess when we were, um, playing. Oh boy. My memory is so bad for stuff, but when we were playing a recent game of which I'm looking up, (laughs) it is recent and I should remember it. We were in basin for this game (laughs) and we had a storyline, um, slight spoilers for those of you. I'll keep it vague where we were approaching a tower and we wanted to be very careful how we approached the tower. And then we just went, screw it. We knock on the front door and <laughs> then things happened. <laughs> things really did happen. And we, as a group went, okay, we, this is stupid. Why do we keep over planning this? We're going around in circles. Let's just go knock on the door. And I think the reaction to us doing that was better than if we had like done the quote unquote smart thing in that situation. Um, so like, that's very vague and not in particular giving up something for your character, but as a team and as like an RPG group, sometimes you just got to do that. You just got to go screw the consequences. What adventure thing would happen if we just went and uh, picked up the dragon egg or uh, pulled the lion's tail or something like that? Just really kick it off, like kick off the action that you know is going to happen. <laughs> And um, I mean, I do want to. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I, I was going to say uh, that, that's part of the reason why. Spoiler alerts, by the way, for Delta Green, if you haven't finished this most recent season. But that's why I was pushing for us to rob a bank in one of our episodes because <laughs> some of our characters, not mine, but some of our characters have really good bureaucracy, but it very seldom actually we get to like utilize it. So I thought, well, if we're in a group where we're in a government organization that has that cover like literally just covers up shit and we're short on money and we need to make like a trip to Belize. <laughs> Let's rob this <laughs> bank with very minimal security. It's a random but, example, Belize. <laughs> uh, to, to build um, on that, um Sarah, oh I'm sorry, Tony. I, I I, I cut you off. My apologies. Oh, that's okay. I, I I just wanted to throw a little bit of love at Rob for this because so many of the times, like when we do that thing where we go, all right, fuck it. I guess I fail because I mean, let's see what happens um, when, you know, sometimes you could be like, okay, I'm going to use this to re-roll that and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes we just go, you know what? Yeah, no, I failed. Um, Rob does a really great job sometimes of, of being like, okay, so let's do it this way. You succeed, but this really bad thing happens instead. Um, and those can be really, really, really fun to play with. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Okay. I'm going to well, let and Brad s- make his point And then I have something else. To just say. real quick. Since you brought up Brad, I mean, Rob, um, 
since you brought up Rob, I just want to say the same person today. Don't you right, know that? They're the same person. My, my bad. Um, for rad. That's his new oh, name. It's, it's Brab. B-R-A-B. Brab. Brab. Okay. Brab. Well, since, Long joke. Long joke. since Rob can't be here. Um, one thing I do want to reiterate that he often says is that, uh, we definitely don't cheat our roles. Like if we're always super honest about if we fail. And I think this question is, is why we're super honest. Cause usually failed roles lead to really fun consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess while, while, while we're on the topic for Rob is not here or is he um, <laughs> Rob, you cannot believe what kind of slander they're talking about <laughs> on this AMA. Um, <laughs> I've I've had the pleasure of gaming with Rob for decades now, very close to that, at least a decade for sure. Um, and I have learned from a long time ago. Uh, Rob is very good at not saying, "Oh, you fail, well, your character dies, and the end of the game." And blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. This terrible thing happens to you, and screw you, ha ha ha. Because Rob has always said, "Death is uninteresting." It's just, oh, your character's dead. What happens? Oh, you're dead. You know, mm-hmm. Dark Souls, whatever, you're dead. Um, <laughs> he does a lot of, okay, so how can I take your character's life and make them have a very rough time that's probably a miserable thing for their yeah. character, but actually really fun to play with? What's um, worse than death for your character? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what is worse than death? Yeah, so it's... He, he tends to do that a lot. And I think, or I, when I started playing with Rob, uh, playing games with Rob um, and uh, I came from old school D and D, which was like, Oh, your character died. Just roll up a new one. And that I got very kind of tired of that, even though it was a lot of fun over some time, eventually got tired. And that was a breath of fresh air. And that's, that's kind of what sustained me through this gaming time is, is, there there are more interesting things to do other than just kill your characters. So I think knowing your GM and knowing how their philosophy is in that way makes it so that you can do crazy things with your characters that you wouldn't necessarily do with something you want to keep precious. Um, and, and I guess one of the, the a, a good example is Sarah in the most recent Delta Green season uh, is basically trying to speed run from newbie to like cthulhu-esque hyper geometric amorphous blob on the table like (laughs) she she is she is just full tilt forward Uh and she does this crazy thing in one of the episodes and everybody goes what and rob's (laughs) like okay (laughs) and you know that 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 empowers um the players and the characters to make those decisions so it's Mm -hmm. Maybe it's one of those you don't have to choose between the two. It's a it's it's something that creates interesting gameplay because I don't know I I think it'd be boring if everybody's like oh Delta Green that's a crazy thing <laughs> drive the other way like <laughs> okay the end credits roll and everybody's fine and goes back to their happy lives mm-hmm. like when you watch a horror movie and somebody's <laughs> waving somebody down at the side of the road and the real life Jordan reaction of would completely keep you away from experiencing um, the children of the corn and the Texas chainsaw massacre and whatever other creepers, Jeepers creepers. Um, 
it would help me a lot personally as a real life person, but as a game person, you can play with reality a little bit better than that. Um, as far as examples go, I think our playthrough of tales from the loop was a really good cross section in this because it does kind of have that mechanic of like your kids don't necessarily like they can't die. They just can't. So it is a good exercise in, okay, so you can't get maimed because you're playing an 11 year old kid. And that would be just like really gross for a game to do. So what are the other options? What are things that can happen? And so much of that did go down in our playthrough of Mm -hmm. tales from the loop. Um, there was just so many times where Rob would be like, okay, so what happens when your dad gets home and finds out? And like those moments were so much fun to play. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and you would have never had those moments had your character not been a silly kid or that your, your game master wasn't like, Hey, let's try this. Let's throw this in Mm -hmm. there. And just instead shows up. Well, your dad's really mad. He grounds you forever. You go, go, go sit in your room. <laughs> right. Like, so yeah. Uh, anybody else? I think that that pretty well covers it. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the takeaway on that one is know your players and know your game master and kind of run mm-hmm. with it. So if you trust right. each other, it'll all work out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Plus, if you trust each other and something doesn't work out, you can talk about it. That's the the next big thing, too, is like if you are having um, a situation where you are making like the team and the character sacrifices in order to make the story richer, or deeper, and you feel if you ever feel punished when you're playing an RPG game, maybe just have a talk with your group and maybe kind of reevaluate what you all are looking for there. That's the entire point is it. Everybody should be having fun <laughs> and whenever you're not. That's when you open up that discussion. So. And Stanley has made his appearance in the background. Being yeah, an adorable He's just like <laughs> hovering over my shoulder now. Thanks, bud. For the, for the podcast listeners, terribly sorry. <laughs> Just imagine an adorable beagle with tricolor and little triangle ears. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I guess uh, who wants to do the next question? Tony, do you have one pick up before I stole it? Otherwise, I'll steal one. No, Tony stole mine, so I don't have one anymore. <laughs> okay. As Tony mentioned earlier in Discord, the individual members of TMP has tastes that are reasonably different from one another. How would you describe each individual member's play style, both regards to types of games you prefer, what you like about what you like to get out of role-playing games, and what kind of characters you like to play? We touched on some of this, I think, but mm-hmm. uh, what are our archetypes, everybody? <laughs> well, one thing I can one thing I can oh, think of that, right, that's from uh, that's from Lan. Thought I should throw that out there. Lan. One thing I can think of right off the bat is um, I know that. Tawny, for example, when it comes to like fantasy games, likes, and correct me if I'm wrong, likes fighting with swords and shields and such, does not like to really use magic. Um, I like to try to talk my way out of shit. If we can, if I can avoid a fight by bullshitting my way through it, (laughs) I will do that. So I guess sword or magic, neither. I like to I like to use my brain. <laughs> Bard. <laughs> uh, I will say in general, um, overall, the TMP crew likes to be the heroes. 
um, or at least on the, the right side of, uh-oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Uh, likes to be the heroes, uh, or on 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 the the right side of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, they are also very much loath to uh, lose roles. Um, <laughs> now I shouldn't say lose roles because you purely can't like lose lose after we just talked about you know trusting everybody to do the the weird thing that a character. But uh, they do not like to lose roles. <laughs> And Nobody will likes try, to lose roles. <laughs> but but goes so far as to be like, try to help as much as possible, even though it's like, like if it was literally like, I go to pick up the 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 phone off of the phone booth, clatter, clatter, clatter. Oh, you failed. Well, I'm gonna help them by jamming myself in the th- and I'm gonna help by jamming myself, and I'm gonna help by holding the door open, and I'm gonna, you know, it's like, I gave them a I'm, friction glove earlier that you didn't make mention of until just it, now. It totally would have <laughs> stuck into their hands, and I rewired the the phone so that it's only gonna have the right dial tone. Like it's it, <laughs> It's it's great, although sometimes you're like, nah, nah, I'm not, not buying that one. But I, I think it's fair to give Rob a chance to say, shut up, no. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Rob deserves to put us down every once in a while for what we put him through. Just a little, fair. okay, relaxed group. Right. <laughs> you don't know what you leave on the table if you left it on the table. <laughs> exactly. Brad is right, though. We are really bad at playing the villains. And Rob has definitely put us in a corner sometimes where, <laughs> like, the only way forward is to do something really awful. And, like, sometimes we have to, like, fight that bullet and do it. But, like, there's other times where he just kind of uses that against us. And it's mm-hmm. enjoyable because <laughs> he'll be like, okay, you can either run over the kitten and save that person or maybe save them later but the kitten's fine we're always like well we'll figure it out later because that kitten is fine sir i think i think delta green was a crash course in like remember that scene where jordan and i go into the morgue and should just burn the body but (laughs) then we both got paralyzed and (laughs) taunted by an alien or another delta green where rob gave me that question of uh kill this person or uh you know argue against it i guess and i like that character was tired enough to where i could finally break character type for our group and go okay she does it (laughs) this is what she does actually yeah, I'm getting a lot of those decisions this season, and I won't yeah. say why, but um, a lot of those decisions this season, and it like very real anxiety every other Tuesday. Just saying. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I liked um, one of the reasons why I liked Morkborg so much because we were just playing like little gremlins like little crazy people running around doing stuff and just like my character's name was nash it was just like oh so fun and barbarian rage uh craziness and just like every once in a while we'll pull out a game where we could just go crazy and we aren't like as married to the reality and drama of it, because as soon as we start getting dramatic, then we're like, but we want to be good. We want to do the right thing, blah, 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 blah. But if you let us loose in like paranoia or something like that, <laughs> then we just go, how chaotic can we make it without feeling like we're doing something bad? <laughs> Over the edge was a good one for that too. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, we took uh, that to some weird places. Our Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I also think that it's the fact that TMP is willing is is wanting to play those those hero roles and stuff and and they really uh, how how you all really push for doing the right thing and finding the solution and even putting yourself at a greater disadvantage to do the right thing that's that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, group there because how many people will play a home game and it's either you barely get out of the bar because everybody's fighting with everybody else. And, you know, I try to sneak over and steal money from the the barbarian, the barbarian turns into a bar fight or whatever, you know, this, uh, or, or, uh, the con games or, uh, convention games where you just jump in and drive the wheels off your character and, and ah, whatever, it's just a convention game. Who cares? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's an interesting thing that most people, don't necessarily hear a lot of games of is is people agonizing over those moral decisions you know that how how many people have played a game like uh uh like fallout and went super like oh well this is the good karma run and then oh this is the bad karma run like we're yeah. we're always on the good karma run but sometimes we like to do the bad <laughs> karma run yeah or how like, many, jo- or like jordan people? playing a yeah, Jordan playing a a benevolent beautiful greek goddess and then switching to a <laughs> super mutant that will rip off somebody's arm and then try to keep it as a weapon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the things I like so much about our format is when we do swap games reasonably often, we do get to kind of mess around with archetypes and say you lock yourself into an archetype for four or five episodes, like it's four or five episodes. So you can try some weird stuff and some new things. And if you didn't love it, like, okay, you just don't have to play a character like that again. Um, or, I mean, there's even been times where like, if we pick up a second season, someone decides like, oh, I don't think this character is really fitting anymore. So can we kind of write a reason for them to not be here anymore? I'm going to write a new one. Um, and that, that has been kind of fun to play with as well. Do you, do you, do you want, do you want me to, I, I feel like I've been talking a lot on this one, but I, I, I think it's because I sit behind the board a lot and I listen to how everybody plays and bounces back and forth between each other. And then, of course, I'm sitting on the editing board, you know, hearing some of the same lines about four or five times as I'm cutting things in and out, whatnot. Um, I guess, do you want me to do the the archetype of what I see <laughs> people play their characters? Do like? it. Brad, uh, read our astrological D&D <laughs> TTRPG archetypes. I'm, I'm going to read. I'll, I'll get you a read, honey. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, who, who, who do I start with? Do you want to, uh, all right. So Tawny plays the, uh, good character that wants to face everything head on, even if they probably shouldn't. Um, she, if, if she could get into someone's face and be like, this is why you're wrong. And this is <laughs> what you need to do to fix it. What do I need to roll to make them do that? That's Tawny. And she also doesn't want to make doesn't want bad things to happen to people around her. However, are uh, you talking? I thought we were talking about RPGs, not real life. Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, agreed. <laughs> like, In real life, Tani is not a Capricorn, but you know, <laughs> people, people bleed into their characters quite a bit. Like mm-hmm. it, it just happens. Um, although when Tani plays against that character type, that's when you start to get. Uh, 
um, Ellis Mandel and Stabi Sundagi, oh, yeah. and and you have those characters that are have more bite to them because you're like, oh, oh, what? How how did that come about? Like it's it's that like oh this little this little this little sharp needle and you don't don't expect it. Uh, I Ethan- love that about <laughs> Tani's gameplay. Just so you know, in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Ethan likes to play wild card, wallflower wild card, where uh, he will watch things that are going down. And and like he had said before, you just want to see what the button does when you press it. Um, so you tend to, you'll, you'll tend to be like, I'm going to hang back and then throw in the one random line that either starts the fight off, starts off a weird side quest somehow, or, or like, uh, just kind of starts, uh, a weird dialogue option, I guess, in, in the game. Um, and it's, it's very interesting to see that because you do make the choices that not a lot of people will make. Um, most people would be like, well, okay, so I'm going to play this like this and this. You're like, or how about, and then it's like, Terry, we're turning, we're turning left pretty hard. Um, and Even then it's kind of like, how can I break the game? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, um, but when he plays against character, um, he tends to play the Keith character, which was, I would say was, you're very much against character type of um almost I, I don't want to say motor mouth but uh uh charismatic and and it kind of it's like it's another one of those oh where did that come from but you do it so well it's like oh you should you should do that more i mean it's fun when you press the button but i think you should also like press other people's buttons try that it like it's it's interesting to see I, that come up i ways. think i've physically need an accent to do those Hmm. (laughs) because i can separate it more from myself if that makes sense it does yeah i can see that yeah yeah uh tony likes to play uh the uh, tony likes to play the emotional dagger a lot um so he he'll like he'll play these characters that are like leave me alone. I'm tough, whatever. Brr, brr, brr. But then like out of nowhere, there's this one scene you're like, Oh God, am I, am I actually crying? Like that, that seems to happen a lot. Your character, um, horizon with his dad in, uh, masks or, um, uh, I'm seen in tales, tales, Alex and, uh, and oh god sarah sarah's character um melanie oh yeah melanie Melanie, yeah yeah eggs was tawny um or or uh cyberpunk uh your your sad sad backstory that came out in in this uh awesome johnny silverhand song way yeah still sad that we yeah i'm still sad that we haven't gone back to explore that whole oh yeah we i'm sure i'm sure we will yeah. And, and I think, I think all of your, even, um, even Kirk, the soda jerk kind of had that a little bit. He's like, yeah, leave me alone. I'm a ghoul. But then like secretly down inside, I think Kirk, the soda jerk's like, but could you listen to my radio station, please? I really like putting, <laughs> I, I like, I like when people listen to my radio station. So, yeah. And then, um, and then you, you'll take that and then you'll flip it and kind of turn it 
almost darker with the like the your basing character did that and i'm and i'm blanking on his name right now um where max max thank you thank you uh he had that emotional through line but I, I don't. He felt he felt darker to me. It was. You can almost think was, of it as reverse. The, the emotion was at the front half instead of the back half, and the back half was that kind of loner, kind of thing where it took the same feelings but kind of switched the intensities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Jordan, Jordan plays the uh, the the face. Yeah, you like to play um uh, like you said a manipulative face, but I also think it is. Um, I almost, I almost think it's like highborn the way you come off. I, I know that would be like a fantasy trope setting, but or like CEO or um, someone who, who or a light eyes. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're into stormlight archive, a light yeah. eyes. Um, mm-hmm. Jordan tends to do that a lot, where uh, she wants to she wants to control the things she can control inside her sphere, mm-hmm. and if she can't. It is useless to her. <laughs> She'll be like, "No, I, I will whatever I can consolidate." Um, and I think you saw that. Uh, um, definitely saw it in Aegon with Kyria, because once once she got the helm of the boat, it wasn't going anywhere else. Yeah. Um, although she was a gracious leader, she was magnanimous. <laughs> no one else touched the oars. That's another thing I want to say real quick, though, is that when I say I love to watch Tawny and Jordan fight, it's not because I enjoy them like angry at each other. It's because they're such good friends and they've been such good friends for so long that they know each other so well that when those moments do happen, they're just so fun to watch. <laughs> Man, uh, uh, I keep coming back because it's so fresh, but that bit in the most recent season of Delta Green between Typo and Teaspoon. And again, I won't go into it because people probably may not have seen it yet. Like those bits are so much fun because we know which buttons to push on each other and how to fluster each other while keeping it in game, like knowing not to push it too far into real life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Um, we, we give each other the wiggle room too. And as character people were willing for our characters to lose the fight when our character has lost the fight instead of trying mm-hmm. to like make our character the winner every single time we have those because there have definitely been times when my character's dumb the fight's really good and I lose and it was really good the fight was really Nasty. good even though I- yeah there Yes. That was a like her character. Her character was very like, yeah, she was very like, I, I'm trying to control my legacy and uh, and then things <laughs> cracked and she was like, You're right, I lost, but I lost on my terms, you know. Yes. It was one of those. <laughs> um and then of course when Jordan Jordan plays against type, you get the the barbarian awakening that was Nash and Peanut's punch, and it's it's a riot because Jordan likes to smash things with their big characters. And it's, it's awesome. Fun. <laughs> I um, I like that is a really good way to think about it, Brad. I never really thought about it as I think like the social power is what my first instinct is to go to within a character is what character controls the room that they stand in? What character 
is one that people will be cowed into listening to just because of who it is. Like, did they buy everybody's allegiance? Did they, um, were they powerfully connected enough to where um, we had a, we had a home uh, vampire game where uh, my character uh, did her very best to connect herself to the most powerful person that she could do it to, and then probably would have continued to make an ass out of herself, trying to put herself into positions of social power way before anybody would have let her get into that position. Um, and then on the flip side, if I can't have social power, <laughs> I need to have physical power. <laughs> so that's kind of where I think the barbarian flips in on the back end. <laughs> or, or your character will just be like, I'm going to burn everything socially to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Sarah likes to play uh, the kind of wild card character that are... Um, chaotic and bouncy Mm -hmm. um so she tends to she so she tends to take the thing like like if ethan is like what does this button do if i push it sarah is like here hold on to this squeaky chicken squeaky 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 anyways (laughs) i'm gonna go steal your stuff like (laughs) it kind of it feels like that like it it seems like non sequitur but mm-hmm. when she explains it, you're like, oh, okay, you handed him the rubber chicken. So he was so befuddled that he like would squeak the chicken that he didn't look up to see that you were dismantling the cameras so that someone else could blah, 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 blah. And it, yeah. it all makes sense, <laughs> but it it's also seems a little odd and chaotic. Um, and then when she plays against type, she tends to do very broody characters, mm-hmm. um, and that makes for that that makes a good juxtaposition because it is the both the light side of chaos and the dark side of chaos. You know, they're they're kind of combined into that, but still some sort of chaos to it. Um, I think describing Sarah as chaos is a beautiful and such an accurate <laughs> description. And like I think that makes her emotional moments even better whenever they like come to the front and center of the story because man some of the um emotional moments with sarah's characters like punch you right in the chest they are really strong they're really good she plays also oh go ahead uh, uh she plays very pure um characters that have very pure emotions mm-hmm. whether they be anger or happiness or you know anything between that you know that's that's her characters are what they are and you don't have to second guess what their motivations are if they say that they're going to kill you they're probably going to try and find a way to kill you because her character's like no seriously we're going to do this or mm-hmm. their character is like this is the best day of my life mm-hmm. it, <laughs> it was the best day of that character's life for reals yeah, I was just going to say that Sarah's also, as a player, just a really, she has her really great moments as a, for her characters, but she's also a really, like, giving player in that she will also set up the pins for you to knock them down. Like, she's mm-hmm. really good at, like, giving you your spotlight as well, which is sometimes really hard to come by in groups, but <laughs> luckily ours has that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so yeah, wanna, I guess that. Oh, okay. oh I was just gonna, do we want to answer the second half of that question, or do we spend enough time on it and move to something else? Uh, I got. We could do the second half. What's what was the second half? I sorry. I, uh, I basically, what type of games you do? Do you prefer? Oh, gotcha. We waxed philosophical, and I yeah typed <laughs> everyone. The first half so. of that, yeah. that was so lovely, Brad. By the way, oh, thank, thank you, you for giving yeah. us a, a astrological TTRPG reading. <laughs> <laughs> Um, games we like to play, like, this is one of those that can get a little weird because I think we all have a couple of different genres and different styles that we enjoy. Um, and it always becomes very, very clear when we get into our like end of year Smackdown, where we talk about what games we might look at playing next year. Um, and like for me personally, I tend to like things that have a lot of cool, I want to call it arcana, I guess, just like different things that they've done to the world that make things just a little bit different um, and give you mechanics to play weird things off of. Um, Like, for example, the game that I am most excited about this year, and I finally have my copy and it's so beautiful, is Coyote and Crow. Um, And it's a little bit different than like a lot of the other games you see just in the way they've built the world. And I like to play with that. Mm-hmm. I think um, this probably isn't a surprise to anybody, but I like lean heavily and into anything with um, mythological uh, backing, mythological fantasy. Um, I actually we don't do this a lot in in TMP. But I really like games where you can really go all out in battling and that kind of stuff, too. I think that's an interesting mechanic, which is kind of funny compared to the archetypes that I tend to like to play because they're not usually aggressive um, in the martial sense. (laughs) But um, the ability to do like I think part of this I'm going to blame on Tawny, actually, because Tawny is. Uh, combat descriptions when she does combat descriptions are like she will choreograph what is happening (laughs) in the fight and it is wonderful um so that probably lends to why I enjoy doing it so much but a really um well executed battle where everybody is able to join in at one time in one force um because you don't often um encounter social situations in games where you're all at the same time rolling and taking turns and kind of going back and forth for that but you know barring that anything with heavy fantasy or heavy mythological bent i love that stuff um there are a couple of games that i'm really excited for us to dig into that have like really interesting lore that um like anything outside of the box that i haven't played with before when it comes to fantasy i'm like oh let me sink my teeth into that (laughs) i think it going back to i think when we played feng shui too that kind of played into how you like to do combat yeah like it we did have a lot of that where we were able to kind of all plan at one time and then execute Mm -hmm. um and in that really cinematic style that is was really fun that also play. I mine. My thing is storytelling. It's all about the storytelling. What weird things can I use from the game mechanics to like tell the story? And oftentimes that can be the the, the battle. 
Mm -hmm. For me, I tend to prefer games that have a higher tactical strategy, but those are not fun on stream. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) I mean, it would be fun to move. Four, four steps and then poke the ground in front of you and then move yep. four more steps. And... Yep. I, I, I just really like the planning and like discussing angles of attack and like sight lines mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But none of that's fun to listen to. Mainly because I also have a very bad reading comprehension. So like any at home learning for that kind of stuff doesn't work for switching games a lot. So yeah. I need someone to help guide me through it and teach me it before I can play it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, none of that works. Yeah, for me, I think uh, I like any game that's <clears throat> sort of grounded in reality. Um, if it's too fantastical, my mind has like trouble gra- like grasping it. Like there was one game we played. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like futuristic, but also apocalyptic. Like Brad, maybe you know, it was the, it was the one where I had like mechanical arms. I don't think we recorded. It. I think it was privately. Was it? Um, I was like a Bruce Lee with like mechanical arms and. Was it Mothership? No, mm-hmm. but basically, I like I just the world was so fantastical and I couldn't tell like is this fantasy? Is this is this futuristic? Is this cyber? Like I couldn't, I didn't know what we were. I didn't understand the world, and it was it's sometimes hard for me to grasp that. Whereas games like Cthulhu, it's like okay, 1920s New York City, I got this. Like I understand this. Um, I actually would love to play a game that actually has no magic in it at all. Uh, the idea of playing like a game where we're like, we're world, we're like a world, world War One troop and we're trapped and we are trying to get from point A to point B and we have to maneuver our way through like, you know, in Nazi invaded France or the idea of playing like a, a Warriors game, like the movie, The Warriors, like we're a, we're a small gang and we need to like make our way through other people's turf. Like that to me sounds like a blast. Um, not that I don't like magic, but I also do like real world stuff as well. I think that was what surprised me so much about how excited you were about City of Mists because mm-hmm. it is very not steeped in reality. And like one of the mm-hmm. big things is that juxtaposition of like the reality versus the the myth or legend. Um, but I think it was really, really fun to take that and explore yeah. and try to see like, how is this different from I think that's why I made the push for it so much because it goes back to the first question about how I find character creation to be like half the fun. So the idea we can take a like legend from any sort of medium, be it mythology or literature or what, what have you, it was just so appealing to me. Like I can literally take anybody and make them and twist them to work for this game. That sounds really fun. Uh, I guess for me, um, I tend to like games that have an interesting mechanic that makes you feel like the genre. Um, And I think of Forbidden Lands, of course, I've said it a bunch of times, but it's got a really cool travel mechanic um, that really makes you feel like you're lost in a a sword and sorcery world trying to figure out what's going on. Um, Trying to think here. Uh, Mothership. Um, is one I played. Mm-hmm. Spotted Cow is delicious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Spotted Cow, you should totally, uh, you should totally sponsor us. Anyways, sponsor uh, us. Come on, Nuclearis, let's go. And Culvers. And Culvers. And Culvers. Um, <laughs> uh, I like Morkbork has a really interesting mechanic that 
uh, I'm sorry, um, Mother Shift has a really interesting mechanic and actually I think sort of either got borrowed or just came out at the same time, but Alien does it too, where stress actually will stress other people out. So you have that moment of like, I'm not panicking. Yes, you are, you're panicking. Oh God, I'm panicking too. And then, you know, bad stuff happens. And that's very much indicative of space horror. Like I- I should probably put that on the list. uh, Mothership? Yeah. More uh, aliens. The idea of our stress, stressing each other out sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) I would feel Um, so bad (laughs) for all of you guys. (laughs) um, I I also like- uh, um, I like genre type stuff that you can confront. You can confront the thing that is causing your life to suck in that game. Like um, uh, Tales from the Loop, you can confront the weirdness that's going on that creates chaos in your little kid life. Um, I like, I haven't played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons lately, but you know, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, you go fight the dragon over there. Um, Mm -hmm. I do like games that are like, a vampire but i feel that sometimes when i play those games it's very much like well i won in this regard and i lost in this regard so i ended up at a net zero i games like that are fun i don't tend to gravitate towards them as much so like i i actually don't i'm not a huge fan of call of cthulhu type stuff or um games along that line i i enjoy them but it's to me always feels like well cthulhu is this horrible monster and you can't really fight it, but the best you can do is, I don't know, live tomorrow. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's cool. But whereas Delta Green is like, okay, here are the here are the the terrible decisions that led us to this dim back alley that we're going to have to sacrifice our lives for. Well, at least we know that the world lives for another day. To me, that's that's actually to me, that's, that's actually confronting the thing. You, you made that decision to do that. You, you're mm-hmm. pushing forward against it. So that those East are the genres. Green, you can set something on fire and maybe like at least <laughs> yeah. destroy that bit of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I, I, I think that pretty much sums up that question. Uh, what do we want to go one more? I think we've all gotten one question in except for Ethan, right? Tawny. Tawny. Do we want to go two more questions then? Yeah, um, I was going to wrap up or I guess bring up the question because this is, I think, the first time we're releasing an AMA like to the general public. Um, so the question here from Wendelius, um, to catch up those of us who are newer to the stream, how long have you been playing together and what gave you the idea to start streaming these games? Um, it feels like a bit um, a big step and commitment compared to playing privately among friends. Um and I guess, like, I think we did the math the other day, and it's been just about four years or very close to four years since we started um, on this little journey. It all started because we had a new um, gaming pub opening down the road here in Milwaukee, um, and they were having an international tabletop weekend like celebration. And I don't know, Brad, if it was you or Rob who had the idea of like, well, hey, let's do this weird stream thing of feng shui too, um, like in celebration of their opening and record it and put it out for their fans. And for one, the audio sucks 
falls on it and it's like Sorry. frustrating. We recorded um, it in a bar. Yeah, we recorded it in a bar. Also, um, I had no idea what I was doing no, at all. Like, I don't think any of us did. Alert. <laughs> There's one point in that recording where I, if I recall some drunk guy leans over and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? We're like, um, we're actually recording this. So if you could um, not, but hey, happy birthday, bro. <laughs> um, um, but we got through with that, like, I think it was five or six hours where we were just sitting at Oakenshield. Um, and we were like, shit guys, this was a lot of fun. Can we, can we keep doing this? Does this, does this feel like something we should keep doing? And yeah, I, I think it was within a month we had kind of like figured out how to try and set up things in the basement all sit around the one singular Yeti microphone we had at the time and um, make it work. Um, and it, yeah, I don't think we've really ever looked back, but. Uh, yeah. It, so to sum. It, oh, so to sum up, Brad, Sarah and Rob and gaming together for a long, long time. Brad met us and we started gaming together. Then a bar was opening and looking for a way to promote themselves. So we did a live stream there just for fun. And then we became addicted. Rob, Rob met you guys, actually. Rob, Rob met us. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I know that we're all getting Brad. really confused because Brad and Rob are the same person here tonight. Yes. But it was <laughs> Rob. We just got uh, Brad and Sarah in the the friendship. So that was great. That was yeah. a good addition. Uh, <laughs> The, yeah, that's the, true. We had gamed with Rob for maybe a year or two before mm. um, before the Feng Shui stream. Yeah, some of the games we played were Leverage, Cthulhu, and maybe Seventh something C, else? Seventh C. Blades in the Dark. Blades in the Dark. These some are all games that we played before we started recording. But I think that's another reason why we wanted to do it was because, for me especially, Cthulhu, it was like, I am super bummed We I can't go back and listen to what we did because it was <laughs> such a good R. story. Sorry. L5R, yeah. another L5R. one. L5R. Yeah. So, I mean, there's unfortunately so much stuff that we did that we'll never see Lighted Eggs. We didn't record it, but I think that was a big reason why we wanted to do the show because we discovered there's so many fun games and there's so many fun stories we're telling that we want to. I mean, if nobody else is going to watch our show or listen to it, we will because we love our, <laughs> right. these, we love the stories. Uh, the, I guess the, the, to back up before that, even, um, I had been, it was at a Gen Con. I went to Gen Con and um, Kat from Pelgrim Press was saying, hey, we want to try and get into this streaming. Critical Role is a big thing. Twitch seems to be the thing. And, and at that time, every gaming company was trying to scramble and figure out how to do this streaming Twitchy thing. Because at that time, Twitch was only for really gaming and it had just started getting big for role-playing. Um, and I was like, thank you, crit roll. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Crit roll. A, yeah. a rising tide raises all boats. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then lowers them if it's a tsunami and then raises them very quickly. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was like, well, I'm slight techie. I can figure stuff out. I'm like, sure. Let me try and figure this out. And for a whole year, I kind of just, sort of picked at it here and there and didn't really get very far. Um, and I talked to Rob about it. He's like, yeah, I, that, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you try and figure that out. And I was like, yeah. And then uh, after a while, I was like, okay. So I got to the point where I'm like, there's no way in heck I'm going to be able to run tech, run the game, 
put everything together. And, and I think Rob also realized that and he's like, I know some people, they're all theater people. Would you like to? And, <laughs> and then Rob just kind of was like, Hey, Oakenshield, let's, I know you, you know me, let's do the thing. And that's kind of how that sort of all fell together that way is, is it all started from back when everyone was scrambling to try and get a live stream together. And, and now, and now everybody has actual plays and stuff like that. So we were, we were the forefront of that vanguard. I mean, we did. And here we are we, yeah. continuing to fly by the seats of our pants. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all do bring something. I think the reason, another reason why it happens is we all brought something unique to the table that sort of just happened to fall into place. Like I had been already video editing since high school and doing YouTube. So I was like, what if we filmed it? And I edited for YouTube. And then since Brad, now Brad and I share back and forth and then Tawny went, you know, we both, Tawny and I want to be like voice actors. So Tawny went real deep into microphones and she loves doing research. So she figured out how to make that work. And then, you know, it just, Ethan has been really good at, with that too. He's been editing the podcasts. So, Ethan is a podcast connoisseur too. So he yes. was our he was our like decades of market research all exactly yeah one hundred percent. Well, I think that was that was one of those things where like we had been doing the show for almost a year when Ethan started getting real heavy into listening to podcasts at work, and we were just kind of like, why don't we just take everything we've done and put it into podcast form and do that? And we got medium bored like the winter of 2018 I guess it was and um edited like the four series that we had and just like brute force threw it onto some kind of podcast platform and said let's see what happens <laughs> if they could do that pre-covid you guys should be afraid <laughs> They that was a lot. They did a lot to get that all set up <laughs> in podcasts. Just like our YouTube people did a lot to get everything set up on YouTube, and yep. it was you guys kicked that out of the park. Honestly, <laughs> uh, and and speaking of which, I know this might be. I don't know if this is the good a good time to do it or a bad time to do it, but out of this podcast, birth another one. If Tawny and Jordan and Sarah want to, obviously oh. Sarah's not here, but if you want to, <laughs> for any, since this is going publicly, should anybody not know about romancing the game? Oh, yeah, uh, that's true. That is true. We, you mean the uh, one that we haven't recorded in a couple of months because we suck at life, it, but we're going to get back to it. We don't need to know that. They, we have a hiatus. We can cut we're that about out. To jump we are on a horse. <laughs> we're fixing um, to. We're fixing to. We um, we have a podcast called Romancing the Game, where we approach um, video game romance options and uh, romance in games in general, and in a more critical light, where we review the romance part of the game. Um, we all know and love very common and prolific games that have romance on them, like Bioware um, is quite famous <laughs> for having that as a major selling point. Um, so we review each of those different types of romances, the characters that you can romance, how those stories play out, how it interacts with the game itself um, in world building. And we release, you know, episodes and go over it in detail. We have a lot of fun. 10 out of 10. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of how it all came together. Uh, it was 
basically uh, people who are playing games and went, sure, we can record that and figured out how to do it is kind of really the way it came about. So, uh, and, and I YouTube- think we just kept having fun and realizing like, how much more fun could we have if we do this with it? <laughs> yeah. There's also the quality drive too. It's like, yeah, that was, that was awesome. It, it, it reminds me of the tenacious D pick of destiny. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome for bullshit. And then of course we want to like, we're like, no, we got to do it better next time. Like, so it's, <laughs> it's, even though it sounds great, we're like, no, we, we we're going to do better next time. And then we'll just yeah. like, I don't know, try and find better bikes or, I don't know, better camera placements or something. I don't know. It's, it's well, and that's why your Patreon dollars are so crucial because they help us produce this show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Theater of the Mind Players is pr- pr- made Brought possible by. by viewers like by viewers like you. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I guess um, last question then. I could also do a rapid fire. Uh, yeah, there's two that should be pretty short on here. Okay. Yeah, uh, there's Basically, actually a, there's a couple that could even be just yes or no. <laughs> Close yeah. to last question, then. Yeah. Uh, what's your how long do you averagely record slash play your sessions for? We might as well just discuss uh-huh. our basic Ooh. procedure at this point or how we've done it over the past. Right around four hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're, I guess we could talk yeah. about like the the it arc started of how off we've done that. Things. We did. Yeah. yeah. It started off that we did live for f- basically four hours a night. And then we had one week to edit all of that and release it on podcast and VOD, four hours of audio and video. We were sweet summer um, children. And then <laughs> we got burnt out pretty quick. <laughs> so then we decided to stop going live and then went pre recorded and gave ourselves eight days to <laughs> edit all of that. But then we had a. Sometimes a buffer and sometimes not. And that also burnt us out. So now we're on, we record for four hours, break it up, and then basically release it sequentially. That way we, instead of doing one giant chunk, that way it gives us more than like two days to edit each Mm -hmm. hour. And there there was some epiphanies there too, because we were on Twitch because that's where everybody had to be. It had to be on Twitch. And we weren't getting the views on Twitch. Um, Mm -hmm. Twitch is awesome for games. Twitch is awesome for people doing cool things. D and D because people have recognition where people are like, I want to go watch D and D, but for smaller indie games, Twitch is not really where it's at because, uh, no one goes on Twitch just to sit and watch, uh, at, at four o'clock on a Wednesday to watch these one, this one group. Twitch is you jump on, you watch for three, four, five, six, seven, ten hours, whatever, and then you jump off and expect to have content there. So it we weren't on enough to do anything. So that's why we said, okay, let's go tape. And then it was, okay, well, people are watching our stuff, but really who has three hours to sit down and watch the three hours? Okay, let's break that into an hour long. Oh, cool. Well, if we record for four hours, that gives us how many ever weeks of backlog so now we have more time to edit it so it's it it was an evolution of it but i think we're to the point now where we have consistently released something once a week every week for at least two years now during a pandemic which Mm -hmm. has interrupted many other podcasts including my own plot points 
Mm-hmm. Like, it, I think it just works. And obviously, all, all the people listening to us uh, find it works somehow, some way, because you're listening to us and you like us enough to listen to this. So, <laughs> Okay, so I have, I have three rapid fire questions that we can go through real quick. Okay. And they get more and more ridiculous <gasps> as they go. Chick chat, rapid fire. First one. Um, does Brad get to vote on the game SmackDown? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. he does. Yes. Full vote. Uh, yeah. He has to listen to all of it. It's really wrong yeah. if we don't let him at least vote <laughs> into what we're playing. <laughs> uh, is Tawny just as good at lying in real life as her characters are in TMP games? Correct. As long as you're using the sarcastic air quotes. <laughs> so Tawny is a trained professional liar, also known as actor. Uh, but she is still bad when she's lying about her own stuff. Mm-hmm. If I have lines memorized and a character backstory that gives me the truth of the thing, then I can do it. In real life, I'm I'm my face gives me away. Yeah, she I will say Tawny. Tawny is a is a great DM in her own right. However, her face betrays her. <laughs> I will give a good example of this. I nearly killed my team uh, three times in one night, and I fudged a couple of rolls so that they didn't all die. And they all knew that I had fudged my rolls um, for them, even though I was trying really hard to hide it. Okay. Tawny's di- <laughs> Tawny made a deal with the devil with her dice or something. It's Her dice have been brutal, you guys. Mm. Next question. The next, go. and la- the last of my rapid fire is: Will Stanley be jealous or resentful that there isn't a studio named after him? As you know, we record in Washburn Studios. Maybe we'll Stanley name. Stanley can't read. <laughs> <laughs> he seems we'll pretty name... content right now. So maybe we'll name an outer office after him once we get one. <laughs> then we. But then what about Ben, Jen, and Trinity? Mm-hmm. We can. Maybe we we name uh, pieces of equipment after uh, uh, Stanley. It's like the there you go. Um, the Stanley board of yeah. microphones <laughs> or something. I don't know. Lord of the Stanley board <laughs> of the board. <laughs> All right. Meanwhile, well, Salvador is trying to get his say. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Like, how dare you not acknowledge me, the cat? <laughs> that meow was perfectly timed. It was too good. Too good. <laughs> uh, well, I guess with that, uh, we are Theater of the Mind Players. Um, go find us on YouTube. Um, we're at Theater of the Mind Players there. Uh, we are also on our podcast, uh, which you're probably listening to right now. But we're there and we release once every week. Um, and I guess where else could they find us? Facebook, Twitter. We're not particularly active on Insta, but you know, it, it's there. Um, <laughs> I think we have a Tumblr floating around out there. Oh, yeah. oh, find our really fun fanfic on AO3. Thanks, That's Drew. right. We do have an archive of our own fanfic now, which we also did set up a wiki if you want to is... contribute. <laughs> um, the fanfic is the only thing that I need to feel satisfied by everything that we've done so far. Also, I feel as if I have to say like, subscribe, slap that subscribe button or whatever. Tap your bell, hit that bell, ring that bell, jingle bell that bell. Ding, ding. If you're you're on podcasts, (laughs) reviews reviews always do amazing on Apple Podcasts for helping us out. Uh, And tell your friends. Yeah, please do. 
Also, uh, only under the table slyly. Hand them a note with it written on it and tell them not to tell anyone else about it. Also, just a very, very sincere request from me. If you enjoy our show and you watch us regularly but are not subscribed, uh, subscribe. Because it, it does a lot, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, and I guess with that, uh, just remember, repeat to yourself, it's only a game. We should all really just relax. <laughs>